Welcome to the Totally Dissolved Podcast. I'm Bronwyn Serna. And I'm Kathy Hilbert. We're two coffee pros who want to make learning about coffee fun and accessible for other coffee pros. You'll hear fun and informative interviews, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your coffee life. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's jump into this week's dose of an education in caffeination. Hey, Bronwyn. Yo, Kathy. What's up? It's our third episode. Episode three. I'm so excited. Woo! Cool. Um, we have another awesome guest today, but before we get to that, what's in your cup? In my cup today, I've had way too much coffee as well as a lot of tea, so I'm just having water. Hydration is important, folks. Yes. I usually try and drink a gallon I am at two liters right now, so I'm half of my <laughs> so, daily yeah. intake. You got to work on that. I got to work on that. I'm not doing so hot on water either. Um, what was your favorite coffee beverage you had today? Ooh, my favorite coffee beverage I've had today. Actually, it is um, Countercultures Field Trip as an Americano because I was uh, testing our Mythos Grinder Because dialing that in for our shift drink um, event. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, the last Friday of every month. So that was actually really tasty today. Good. I wish I could come, but I've got classes all day tomorrow. So I'm there in spirit. Bummed, but yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, what's in your cup, Kathy? I am drinking some tea. Uh, I made a little cup of tea from a gift that my boss gave me as a little Stumptown, Stumpiversary, if you will. Um, How many years at Stumptown? Three years in January. Ooh. So it's a, I'm a little delayed in actually getting around to tasting these. I just sort of keep forgetting. And then by the time I remember, it's like too late to drink caffeine. And obviously it's later in the day now, right? We're here at 5.30 and I'm just going for it. So we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe I'll be up till 3 a.m. But uh, it's delicious. It's a Taiwanese tea from... oolong, maybe? An oolong. I love Taiwanese oolong. Yeah, it's actually a whole, like, oolong sampler pack with one black tea in there. Um, But it's from a company, I think it's pronounced Tay Company, but I'm pronouncing it the German way because that's the only way I know how to say this word. So Um, I believe that they're based in New York, but it's called Frozen Summit, and it's from... Lugu Township in Taiwan. And it's great. Yeah, I love oolongs a lot. So this is wonderful to have a sampler of multiple oolongs. Nice. Yeah. How was your week? My week was good. Uh, I feel like it was very productive. Not that I like don't get stuff done throughout the week otherwise, but I just felt like I was very efficient in my work this week. Um, and I just always felt like at the end of the day, like, okay, I did all those things and I sent off so many emails and yeah. So it's been a good week. Nice. Yeah. No complaints. I've had, well, I feel like this week has been right now very chaotic because you know, the state of the world has, it is at the moment. I guess, um, since this is going to be coming out in a few weeks from when we're recording now, um, early, I guess, early this morning for Russia and Ukraine, yes. but late last night was when the attack on Ukraine by the yes. Russians occurred. Exactly. So our thoughts are with, like, I'm just thinking about that I, right now. I know. I mean. It's horrible. Like, it's, I don't want World War Three to happen. No. And, uh, yeah, I just keep hearing all these updates and it's. Yes. It's just horrible. totally unimaginable. We've never had anything in our lifetime like that in our country, and we don't know what it's like. Um, so it's very unimaginable, but very hard to watch. And that's, I guess, the benefit and the challenge of social media is that we can see those things. Um, we get to stay connected to people around the world, but also... We're so far. Yeah. And I, yeah. And there's like, what else can we do? Yeah. 
So um, there are organizations you can donate to. I think we actually maybe both posted the same thing from Homegrown Terrace yes, on our Instagrams. Exactly. Um, and maybe we'll put it on our Instagram. In I don't know. In the we're still future. working it out, but yes. we'll put it somewhere where us. people can donate. But the post that we posted had some links to donate to Ukraine, and you know. They're human beings, but there are also coffee people there, so that's even closer to home. So there are. And also for all of the Russian citizens that are against this occurrence. Right. They're subject to whatever their ruler is doing, which I feel like we can relate to in a lot of ways, too, with um, our president. Former president as well. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, they still get to, like, carry the title president after they leave office, and I Not just don't feel president. like he deserves that. So, <laughs> But President Putin is just doing whatever he pleases, and the people in Russia are sort of at the whims of that. And also, it sounds like there's a lot of controlling of media, and maybe they aren't aware of exactly how. Um, oh. Just, like, on a whim, this sort of is. It's like, I just want it, so I'm going to do yeah. it. They are not their president either. Yeah, exactly. But in other good news, Ghost Town World Oats, congratulations. Yes, I saw that they raised their... uh, Their initial funding. Yes, for, like, they wanted to make their announcement at, what was it, 50,000? And they surpassed it. Yes, so cool. So can't wait. I got a sneak taste. I had some this morning. So jealous. That's very cool. How was it? So good. Yeah. So bomb. You guys are killing it. I'm so glad I invested. So Fantastic. congratulations, Ghost Town World. Michelle, Eric, and um, Ezra. Ezra. Yes. So amazing. Keep, keep a watch out on those. World domination, Ghost Town Oats. I mean, cutest packaging of any alternative milk by far. Seriously. Having not tasted it myself, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that it's fantastic. Um, Expect but great things. Very cute packaging. Lives up to the hype, people. That's great. Um, so, yeah. Other than that, I'm also very looking forward to speaking with our guest, Kane Adams. Yes. It's competition season, y'all. It's competition in season. In very, very short time here in the U.S. Um, yes. Six I, weeks. Yes. And this will be coming out, I think, two weeks before... Um, or, a week before, or a week before, or a week before, very SCA. close to SEA. So, um, so yeah, it's right around the corner, and we haven't had competitions for two years now. Um, I guess more because we didn't have competition yeah. in 2020. Um, the last competitions were everything leading up to U.S. comps. Um, well, I guess no, we had the. Orange County prelims. So that was, I guess, two years ago. Yeah. Um, and this year it's a little different. It yeah. was a lottery system. So yeah, I did not sign up. Good luck, yeah. all you competitors out there. It seemed like too short of notice for me, but I'm really excited to see who was able to just like mentally get ready and do it because that's awesome. That's I was amazing. Unprepared to, to even do the preparation. <laughs> Uh, to get there, so um, for Brewers Cup, um, I'm retired from barista competition. It's not my, it's not my game. Um, but there's also going to be. I'll also let Kane talk more about this. But U.S. Latte Art um, is happening. So amazing. Yeah. That's Stay been tuned. on a hiatus. So yeah, Kane will be here shortly, and for you, it will be even shorter because you're listening to a recording. Kane, welcome Hi. to Totally Dissolved. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. Yay! Welcome. So can you please tell us a little bit first about yourself for our audience? Well, first... Oh, yes. Sorry. The big What's question. in your cup? What's in your cup? In my cup right now, I have a rosé that I wanted to bring and share with Kathy and Bronwyn, and I also have a bubbly water. Yes, bubbly water. Is it just a uh, regular bubbly just water? Just a regular bubbly water, yes, yeah. classic. Um, so Kane also brought 
a little sheet with some notes uh, about the the wine. So I'm going to read some of these because it's an amazing description. Um, It starts out like pretty normal and then it gets a little wild at the end. So buckle in. Um, It's a direct press rosé fermented slowly with wild yeasts showing delicate complex aromas of raspberry sauce with peach peels, wet stone and spice. It finishes bone dry and earthy in the mouth with a titillating pink peppercorn and strawberry pop rocks kick. One sip and you will be dreaming of plump pink lips licked by savory salty tongue kisses in a good way. Winky face. It tastes pink to me. (laughs) I just wanted to share some savory salty tongue kisses with my pals in a good way. In a good way. It is tasty. It's also a COVID safe way to share some kisses Mm -hmm. with your pals. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. Yes. So, Kane, tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience members that haven't heard of you and what you do in coffee. Yeah. So, I live in Los Angeles, and right now I work for La Colombe Coffee Roasters. I have been with the company for almost three years as their regional educator. So, as we expand, my role is kind of everything from LA to San Diego and now Austin, which is very exciting. So, yeah, throughout the week, I do lots of trainings and QC and tasting. Um, and I'm also very involved in coffee competitions. Yes, which is why we wanted to have you here today. Because as I'm sure most people listening know, but maybe not, um, SEA in Boston is coming up. And it is the return of U.S. competitions. Finally. Time, I know. First time in two years. So, um, will you tell us a little bit about what's new with competitions? And I guess I was going to expand on that, but I'll just let you tell me and then I'll ask more questions if I have them. Sure. So, competitions this year, after taking such a long break, um, we're really just hoping to get the community back together and kind of like reestablish what having a competition can look like in this new environment and under these new circumstances. So there's a few changes like wearing masks and vaccination and um, getting tested. And then a few changes to the competition format as well, like head judges not tasting um, and just, you know, a few things that we have to do for safety. But for the most part, we're really just bringing it back um, without making any big changes hoping that um, we can restabilize competition's place in the community and get everybody involved again and see where it needs to go in the future. Very cool. Um, How did the lottery system work this year? Do you feel like it was successful? And I think generally the lottery system is used in a way to get new people involved. Um, Do you feel like it was successful in that? Are you seeing new names Well, uh, to be transparent, I technically don't know the entire list of the people who are competing at the moment. I've seen a few folks who have like emailed asking questions, but um, I wasn't a direct part of the lottery selection, but I heard a lot about it. And from what I know, I'm really excited to see um, what it may have done for what the competitors look like. So we hopefully will see a lot of returning faces of you know the people that we would expect to take part in competitions who have been there year after year Um, but it's also a great opportunity to get new people involved who may not have had that chance before and maybe just wanted to throw their name in and see what happens so i'm really excited to see um, how this plays out for our diversity and just like the greater uh, voice of the competitors this year very cool yeah that is I think a lottery system also just equalizes the playing field, which is super interesting, but also could be detrimental. So for those baristas out there, give us your hot take (laughs) afterwards. Tell us what you think for sure. Um, Yeah, it was kind of a weird situation this year, um, just due to the fact that we didn't have the time and capacity for qualifiers. And for our competition, Brewers um, and a few others were going straight into nationals. 
Um, we, you know, normally would like to get as many people involved as possible and like share the platform with as many folks as want to take part in it. But this year, due to our limitations, we had to get a little creative with the selection process. So it'll be interesting to see um, how people react to it, who shows up, and I'm looking forward to it. So a few questions. Let's get into it. Um, since you have been involved in competitions for a while, what drew you into getting so involved with it in the first place? So the very first competition that I ever attended was USBC in Long Beach seven years ago. Um, that was the year that Charles Babinski won. Yes. And I was a brand new baby barista. I was working at this medical office coffee cart and there was a barista magazine there that I was just flipping through during a slow period. And I saw the advertisement for Long Beach and I thought, oh, I was in San Diego at the time. I can drive up there. Um, just see what this is all about. So I just showed up knowing nobody and knowing nothing about it. And I was blown away and immediately knew that I wanted to get involved. So initially I thought I wanted to compete and then um, I thought about it some more. And as uh, the year went on and uh, it was coming up again, I thought a great way to prepare for competing would be to get involved in judging. So the first year that I judged was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and then Seattle USBC that year. And after one season of judging, I knew that that was more the place for me rather than competing. So since then, um, I just couldn't stay away, wanted to keep being involved and that's grown and grown in capacity. And right now I'm the chair of the barista competition committee. Very cool. Um, the first competition I ever went to, I competed in, which was a dumb move. So you took the smart route. I went five minutes over, and yeah, it, sh it showed that I had never been to a competition before, so. It happens to the best. Yeah. Yes. Well, I wouldn't say that I was the best either. Barista competition is not my, we talked about this earlier also, it's not my jam. I think Brewer's Cup is more, I had a pretty good Brewer's Cup my first time doing it in also Knoxville, but the most recent one. Um, but yeah, Brewer's Competition, I'm... Uh, speaking of the best, we have Bronwyn here. I have also gone over time in numerous competitions. <laughs> in fact, when I was at Worlds, I did end up going, I, I can't even remember how many minutes over time, but yes, it was like five or seven minutes. It could have been more. I don't remember. It was so long ago, but it is. It is a very different competition from, from, it, from now. Like, I actually loved how it has evolved it's a little more i feel like especially in the qualifying rounds as it as it was before the pandemic i thought it equalized the playing field i thought it was a little bit more um just a little more common sense to kind of get more people involved and i love how the mystery aspect of like the coffee roaster and like going in as a barista and just really showcasing can you really sh let this coffee shine in both as an espresso and as a milk-based beverage? And, and then really getting to see how specialty drinks have, been, have evolved um, over the past, like, two decades now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long-ass time for barista competitions. And now baristas are taken a little more seriously not, still not a lot, but a little bit better. So that's, it's been amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I know that you've, obviously you've judged. Um, you're an educator. Um, but you've also um, coached a little bit. Um, how, as an educator, and having kind of worked around competitions in all of those different ways, um, how do you see the benefits of being in competi competitions um, like impacting a barista and how they work? Are there any downfalls? Competitions can be an incredible way to expose a barista to everything that coffee can encompass outside of the coffee bar. Um, it's an amazing way to see what the current trends are and to really push the boundaries on um, you know, what we think is possible with coffee and what we thought the rules were and what really needs to be broken and challenged and questioned. 
Um, one of the downfalls, I think, is that a barista can get so incredibly focused on their routine, their beverage, that they kind of uh, lose sight of the greater place of coffee for the general public and the consumers. Um, but overall, I think it's a really great opportunity and it's really exciting to just like open up someone's mind for what's possible. Also just an incredible place to network, meet new people, uh, potentially see what your job opportunities are and yeah, just like throw your career into a trajectory that you may not have seen before. I also feel like for me, being a past competitor, like I just learned so much just how to be a better barista um, overall. And also I think for roasters that are also involved in the process, I think it helps them be a better roaster because like you're working super collaboratively, whether it's your in-house roaster or with a supplier. Um, and it just gives you, I think as a competitor, just more just more like respect for the entire process and totally and i hope like consumers eventually you know it's they go to a coffee shop they think like oh barista is just like a non a non-essential worker type job you know you're just pushing buttons on a machine or you're just like how hard is it to make coffee it is extremely hard it is not just you push buttons, but there is a lot of thought and process that goes into it. Yeah. So I think as a barista competitor, you just learn how much of that process is so important. Yeah, and I think like even for me, I feel like I've never been very successful in competitions, but it still like made me like cleaner at work, you know, because you have to be so clean. You're more aware of that and like it never got to the point where I was like hyper obsessed with it and that it like made me slower, which I feel like would have been, you know, like a downside to that. But I feel like it just made me more aware of like how I could be cleaner and work cleaner and be yeah. more efficient, be more efficient, work faster. Yeah. yeah. All that Very fun cool. stuff. Um, we know that especially the past several years have been quite challenging. You know, why, why are we doing competitions? Because it doesn't feel as important, but why is it important? Competitions is so important to, I think, every part of the coffee supply chain. Um, one, and just elevating specialty coffee as an industry to the greater public and the consumers globally. Um, two, and like connecting the producer's work with the barista's work and how that actually translates and flavors and really exciting beverages that we're able to craft. Um, it can really uh, push the envelope for the industry in new trends. Like, you know, a few years ago, we had never heard of um, uh, freeze distilling milk. And now in competition, that's like a, almost a majority of the beverages that we're tasting. So trends like that Wait, can- Wait, what? Freeze I distilling <laughs> milk? You haven't heard milk. of this? No. Oh my gosh. I this feel is like amazing. It's, it's it sounds awesome. Entirely commonplace now. Um, yeah. But I, I helped Christy do this when she was competing for some town. But you freeze your milk, and then as it thaws, the water is going to like separate. Well, it's separated, and the, the water melts faster than the fat. Oh. And so you like basically, or is it the other way around? Yeah, the water Sorry, it's the other faster. way around. The water... I don't know. They melt at different rates. I feel like my brain is remembering... <laughs> yeah, I want to you say it like... <laughs> you want to keep the part that melts off and get rid of the ice. So I think the water free stays frozen longer. I don't know. But you, like, collect the, like... The fattiest part. The fattiest part. part of the milk. And I feel like everybody's beverages taste like ice cream. It's like ultra milk. It's like milk Yum. concentrated. Custard. The volume turned up. Yeah. You ever Hell wanted yes. milk to be milkier? This is it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like cream, but not quite either. So it's it's kind of amazing. And has that been only a U.S. trend, or has it also been international? Because I always feel like milk, especially when it comes from Europe, is just so much more delicious honestly it might in australia I, so i don't know 
Um, I haven't, honestly, haven't watched many of the, the world competitions because it's a lot. And I think everybody can agree that sometimes comp- race competitions can be boring as a spectator. I think they're really interesting as a judge. They're interesting if you're a competitor and if, or your friend is competing or, you know, you have some sort of connection to the situation. But they can be a little bit boring to watch Very true. routine after routine mm-hmm. after routine. So I haven't watched any of them except, you know, people that I know. So I don't know. Do you have any insight into that, Kim? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I imagine because the milk is better other places, they probably don't have to do it like mm-hmm. we do, but... That's a great question. Yeah, so things like freeze-distilled milk and just other trends within the industry can start at a place as small as barista competition and then within a few years have just become commonplace across all of specialty coffee um, in the markets. Yeah, it's really exciting. So fun. Um, Competitions are also, just because when baristas do get involved, they they tend to get super excited about it, and it's a great way, I think, to get your clientele involved, consumers involved. But we haven't really seen like specialty coffee come into its own, like wine or spirits. It still seems to me that it's still regarded as a less than beverage, yeah. um, more like an afterthought as... You know, as much as we love American diner food, diner coffee is not necessarily the greatest. Um, So how do you think uh, it's, how do we as a community in specialty coffee better communicate that it isn't just coffee, so to speak, um, and that there is more to it? That's a really great question, and I thought for a long time about this, and I talk about this in uh, some of my trainings and orientations as well, about how coffee kind of has always walked the line between being an essential item and being a luxury item. Like, we don't need it to survive, but it's also become just a commonplace part of a daily routine for folks who are working. Um, And it's not necessarily a luxury item, like you would save up money and only have it on a special occasion. Unless it's a gesha. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that, you know, things like the, um, you know, La Esmeralda Geisha uh, breaking records for the amount of, uh, you know, coffee sold green per pound has, uh, you know, kind of rocked the greater beverage world and provided a little bit of insight into um, how special coffee can be. But yeah, for the most part, um, we haven't necessarily found a way to communicate that to our consumers about how incredible coffee can be and um, yeah just uh, the fact that it's worth more money and we should be drinking it and really savoring it yeah the next few waves six seventh and then some it's all gonna be about the consumer are we technically in the fifth wave Is I that guess what? so I mean there's that yes. wait then what was the fourth wave I don't know there's something about it online I don't know I'm sure we're I don't know. I thought it was going to be robots. There's still there's still time. The there's Wally the so Wally milk time. steamer is still new on the market. Yeah. Yes. We got the Eversys in my training lab. It's it's wild. You have one too, right? Yes. Yeah. We have several accounts with that. We have an account that's massive that's switching to entirely Eversys. Yes. They're selling all of their um, what do they have right now? Linnaeus. Yes, they're yeah. G- is it Linnaeus or GBs? Anyway, yes, but they're, they're switching. Both, but yeah, going fully ever since. So, which is crazy. exciting. Mm-hmm. But that's that's another episode we promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like this whole idea of like coffee hasn't caught up with other other food it's it's interesting too yeah because it's i think a lot of it is chefs like i've talked to chefs at like different jobs when i did sales in minnesota briefly they were they like were doing the little illy like espresso pod things where you just like put it in and it brews it and like i've you know honestly never had one but i could tell you what it tastes like (laughs) i know um so i just feel like in those situations when I have these chefs and owners of these restaurants telling me like, oh, we have this thing and it works fine for us. It's like, 
what if I told you that like I was serving like some really like random like canned items that I ordered from Cisco at my coffee shop you would be like oh the food program there is garbage your coffee program is garbage because you're not like you're creating this like elevated experience for your customers except for the coffee exactly and if you don't want to have good coffee then maybe don't have coffee at all but people like coffee with dessert like that's kind of where we fall into like a specialty dining experience and especially with good decafs now like you don't even have to have like bad decaf you could have really good decaf you could have really good regular coffee for people who don't worry about caffeine intake after a certain time like I do um but I do know that like um chef Thomas Keller has been trying to do some stuff with coffee it just hasn't really gotten quite as like widespread as it could be I feel like not enough chefs are coffee heads if you will very true and it's and it's been quite some time too it's not just now it's always I think been an issue like I've had various award-winning chefs that I know just like coffee is still an afterthought for them and I was like I love your food and you do so much to source great ingredients like you should also do the same for your coffee program yeah and I think you know it's easy to have like a sommelier on your staff to pick the wine that you have and like Although we do have, like, the Q grader, it's not a good comparison to what a sommelier is. And so... Getting there. And I think there are a lot of people, and I'm sure we've all encountered these people in training um, and just sales, where, like, they can talk themselves up as a coffee person, and then they don't have a very good, solid background, and so the coffee program sort of collapses under their leadership and that's not because they can't do it it's just that they don't have enough experience maybe yet to be that person and so I don't know it could be just a little bit of like disillusionment with working with coffee people who say that they know what they're talking about but maybe really don't have enough experience I don't know and it all comes back to education too yeah Mm -hmm. still comes back to education yeah, and somehow educating the consumer and relating it in a way that, like, you know, with the beer industry, you can drink a macro brew or you can drink a micro brew, and you're going to pay different price points for that. And yeah. the same with wine. You can drink a two-buck chuck, and I have been known to do so. Or you can drink, you know, a really incredible natural wine with some wild tasting notes um, and share that experience and uh, really savor it. But, yeah, somehow we need to really relate that to customers that not that commodity coffee or non-specialty coffee is bad or that we shouldn't be serving it or you should never have it but that there is maybe a place in the market for both and uh, both of them deserve um, you know an adequate amount of respect and uh, proper respect for what it really is definitely diner coffee at diners Mm -hmm. not diner coffee at james beard uh, award-winning yeah. yeah restaurants <laughs> totally for sure yeah um getting back to competitions <laughs> I know that's where the question came from but yes. we got really off I, that's my fault but I think no, it was a good conversation it's, it's a good combo <laughs> um, your, your opinions on that yeah thanks hot takes <laughs> uh what is your favorite thing about competitions and why my very favorite thing about competitions is tasting everything. And like you said earlier, uh, competitions aren't always super engaging to um, just the audience in general because the best seat to be in is at the judging table where you're being served and you're tasting all of the delicious things that are being described by the barista. So that's my favorite place to be. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I do what I do because baristas who are in competition are the absolute best at their trade and I get to have the best products made by the best baristas and some really wild combinations and um, ingenious uh, signature beverages that yeah I I get to say that I've tried and not many other people have yeah that's definitely my most favorite part is tasting the signature beverages yeah okay so speaking of that being your favorite part getting to taste all of those delicious drinks um what's the most memorable routine that you've judged 
There have been so many routines that I will never forget, but a few stand out. Um, one of them being uh, just how you know people get nervous, and that comes across in so many different ways. And folks have all sorts of different reactions. Some people, you know, get really, really serious and very somber and very quiet. Some people um, get very sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> some people start talking really really quickly um, and you know breeze through with minutes to spare um, but one of them stands out where um, a competitor was just having this reaction to the nerves um, that was a little bit humorous and I remember looking back behind me at Liz Chai who was photographing for Spredge and making eyes with her and we knew that we were both feeling the same thing. Um, you know, I want every competitor to be successful and to um, be proud of what they're able to present on stage. Um, and sometimes uh, a few things get in their way, including some nerves. But another one that stands out is uh, the first time I ever tried a Eugenoides coffee. Um, and this was at USBC Kansas City a few years back by um, Isaiah Sheese. Mm -hmm. And it was my first time ever trying that varietal. And um, I had no idea what to expect. I had no prior um, you know, bias about this coffee whatsoever. So based on his description, um, I was so excited to get it on my tongue. And I just couldn't wait to try it. And it was unlike anything I've ever tasted before. Um, and it was almost like he was too far ahead of where competitions were at that time. Mm -hmm. um, the score sheet wasn't ready to evaluate a coffee that was that different than anything else somebody was serving. So, um, you know, he didn't win that year. I hope that he still keeps competing and coming back because he's an incredible barista. But yeah, that's one of those that just walking off the stage, I thought, I will never forget this. This was the first of its kind. And now it's not all that uncommon to see a Eugenoides on the competition stage. Yeah. Um, do you remember the flavor notes? Uh, some of the flavor notes were stevia, or like artificial sweetener, I believe, mm -hmm. um, cereal milk. There was a specific callback to maybe like fruity pebbles. It was wild. Yeah, that sounds very much like... I've only tasted one Eugenoides, but... Um, yeah, that sounds very similar. They're wild. Very, very sweet. Um, is there like a really memorable signature beverage? So many over the years, so many that, um, you know, I maybe wasn't even able to like comprehend as it was being explained to me. And then I had to, yeah, go to the back and think about it again and talk about the process. Um, but yeah, people get so, so creative. Uh, maybe one of the more memorable ones that I can think of that stands out is the first year that I ever judged at qualifiers for a barista that didn't end up qualifying for nationals. But um, there was a mocha pot that was uh, brewing the entire time uh, during the competition, prepping one of the ingredients for the signature beverage. And it was like this dark fruit cider. It had like pomegranate and plums and blood orange in it. And the smell of that the entire time um, has like stuck with me years and years later. And um, yeah, it was one of those beverages that was delicious and I would want to drink it every day if I could, but didn't necessarily like meet the, uh, you know, standards of the score sheets at the time. That sounds awesome. It does. Yeah. How do you feel about like my mind when it comes to signature beverages? Um, I kind of want it to... For competition, yes, be unique and kind of pushing the pushing the boundaries, but I also want it to fit onto a coffee menu behind the bar. Like, what's your take on that? It's so complicated. Um, yeah, I want to try something that you know is has never been done before and is totally unique, and uh, you know that you've never even thought about this combination or this preparation. Um, and even like the term creativity, which is on the score sheet, um, changes so much over the years. Like, what do you define as a creative ingredient? Um, is it just creative because you haven't heard of it before? Or is it not creative anymore because you saw someone use it last year? Um, but yeah, the ability to make a signature beverage that translates to a retail menu where your average customer can come in and try it is really incredible and I think that um, you know there are some ways that you might be able to simplify and cut some corners or batch some ingredients 
Um, but yeah, accessibility should be uh, a factor in making sure that you're serving a beverage that uh, if it's so good that you're wanting to give this to like the best judges in the US at the top competition, then it should be good enough that you would want to share it with the public too. Yeah, uh, Seattle a few years back kind of comes to mind. I don't know if you all remember Layla was at Cherry Street and they had just opened that new location that she was sort of like in charge of everything and she did Mm -hmm. three or four different previous U.S. winners, like Barista Champions, um, signature drinks. I think it was one of hers. It was one of Lem's. Um, Trying to remember who else. Charles, maybe, and then maybe one of Pete Lafada's drinks. I'm trying to remember, but it was really interesting she got like the same coffees that she if she could and like had them on her menu um but i feel like not many cafes i think more cafes now are equipped to do things like that um i think baristas are a little bit more patient in preparing drinks um sometimes Sometimes. Uh, (laughs) but i think baristas generally want it to be like easy to like get a drink like made and get that customer their beverage and get them out the door but i do think that that's a cool idea Um, but also again, a lot of places are not equipped maybe to do that on such a big scale of there being four of them at a time. But Mm -hmm. that was, I feel like very exciting. And I remember like, I have to get to Cherry Street and try all of these drinks because when do people get to try the SIGBEVs that people make other than if you're judging? And that's, I think, like you said, that's the practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like sipping your SIGBEVs after, I mean, <laughs> people getting to try your SIGBEVs yes. with you after competition. I've definitely exactly. drank out of a lot of cups that people have previously drank out of. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Judges have previously Bussers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Previous bussers, tell us. <laughs> what favorite drinks have you got do, to take a sip of? Do bussers do that? I would Sometimes that. I, would. I did. <laughs> why not? Amazing. Well, now there's a yeah. good reason why not. But, yes. Uh, previously. Yeah. We I've heard rumors it. of uh, USBC champions spit shining their cups before. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> Same. There are other routes, yes. people. There are other routes to do this. Yes. Keep things clean. Anyway. Um, so we kind of talked about this a little bit, or at least I was hoping that this is, I think we're all hoping that this is an outcome of the um, lottery system, but what do you want to see more of in competition? Um, I think, I guess I'm sort of filling in the blanks a little bit on that question, but I think a lot of it has to do with people, Um, but I'm sure there are lots of other things too. I don't necessarily know what I want to see more of, but I know that I don't want to see the same type of routine, the same coffees, Um, the same format and structure and perspectives, and I want to see what hasn't been uh, displayed before. I want to see the people who haven't had an opportunity to be a part of competitions before, Um, maybe some coffees that weren't necessarily uh, considered uh, competition-grade coffees before. Um, Yeah, just like something new and exciting and fresh and, uh, yeah, something different. I don't know what it is yet, but... When it's in front of me, I'm going to enjoy it, I bet. Um, This is kind of putting you on the spot since this wasn't a question. Um, But by the way you answered that, it made me want to ask this question. What would you do differently if you were going to compete to kind of bring that that different thing to competition? Hmm. If I were going to compete... It would depend on what I was hoping to achieve because I think that there are some people that use competition as a platform to reach an audience and the outcome of the competition standings are inconsequential to them. And then there's some people that compete over and over again until they win. And those are very two different types of competitors and uh, it's always an honor to be served by every competitor. But, yeah, it's really interesting uh, to think about what I might do. And 
I am a pretty competitive person, but I don't think I would be the type of person who would, you know, do it year after year. I think if I was going to compete, I would put in my all for one competition season. And then however it went, I would be satisfied with the outcome. So I'm not quite sure what I would do. I would probably try to, you know, find a, a partnership with a coffee producer that I really believed in um, and that was really willing to, you know, share uh, their process with me as far as all of the incredible things that go into creating the coffee that I would be serving. Um, I can't say what I would make for a signature beverage, but I don't know. Yeah. I know, like recently, um, since there is a lot of competition talk going on right now, because it is competition season, I read recently about what it takes to be a coach. Um, would you ever consider coaching? Absolutely. I love coaching. Um, it is like so hard on your heart um, because I don't know, I've never competed in barista competition, but as a coach, uh, you put so much time and energy into a person's routine and all you can do is hope that they absorb what you're giving them. Um, you hope that they practice as much as you're asking them to um, and you hope that they're as prepared as you would want them to be, but you can't do it for them. Um, so it's kind of uh, the most difficult part is not all the preparation and late nights and tasting and over-caffeination. The hardest part is when the routine time starts and you're sitting in the audience and there is nothing you can do if you hear them forget a tasting note or if you see them uh, make a technical error um, it's already happening and there's nothing you can do about it and it's out of your hands at that point so it's very difficult but very rewarding and i've found that it just creates incredible relationships um, and it's really cool to have a team that you can be really collaborative with and create something that's greater than just the one barista or the roaster or the trainer. Um, it really takes a whole lot of uh, vision from a lot of skilled people to make a winning routine. The uh, the flavor note thing, I feel like, gives me like flashbacks. I can't think of like a specific instance, but I just remember like mouthing like people's tasting notes that I've helped prepare and being like oh no they forgot that one and it's so important they're all important but yeah. you yes. know by the time you've heard the routine so many times that you could recite it by heart yeah yeah, yeah. but you don't have the nerves so you can remember all of it but I just remember also coaching not only barista competitions but like brewers competitions and it's like for me it's their motions as well. I'm just like, you, you not only are hearing what they're saying, but I'm also paying attention to like what they're doing. And over and over again, it's like, okay, are they gonna remember to do that thing that I told them to, that they haven't been doing or like that could. And for me as a coach, like I always find that so hard cause I can't watch, but I want to watch. And I'm just like here on pins and needles. Yeah. And it's, it's exciting, but also, yeah, super rewarding, but super nerve-wracking, mm -hmm. and so much fun overall. I never regret it, Yeah, despite being over-caffeinated and <laughs> anxious. Absolutely. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. Every competition season, I feel like whoever wins or loses or you know gets to participate or watch, hopefully everybody is able to take something away from it and apply it to their future in coffee. Yeah. I know that some people leave competition quite frustrated sometimes, but I think like once you're able to sort of like cool off, um, there's always something positive to take away from competition. I was just sort of thinking as we were, I was listening to you both talk, and this is probably more of something I could, could have contributed to the conversation a little bit earlier, but I feel like the best part about competition is the way that it brings people together despite what com what company you're from. Like tasting behind the scenes before you go up and you're like, have your little practice time. It's like, people are always like, oh, hey, so-and-so, come taste this, come taste this. And it's people from different backgrounds, different like roasting companies, different cafes. Um, even like here, I mean, when I competed in Minnesota, I didn't have this as much because there weren't as many 
people around and as many coffee people around. But, like, having, like, Hannah come and taste and, like, Matthew would come taste, um, like, when Christy was preparing, when I was preparing for Brewer's Cup, like, I feel like I'm giving all these people's first names, so sorry to everyone who doesn't know who they are. But If you know, you know. <laughs> right? Yes. No, but it's just more the point that it's like we all worked for different companies. Um, and, and now you become new friends. Yeah, or they are your friends already, yeah. and it doesn't matter that you're working for different companies and that you're trying to compete. The competition isn't with the, like, between companies at this point. It's sort of, like, within yourself, even though you are competing against other people from other companies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it has such a, like, a positive result most of the time. Like you said, Kane, there's always something positive to take away. Yeah. Or did you say that? I don't know. I think all of us are saying that. <laughs> We're all saying it. We're all saying it. We're here because we like competition, I guess. And exactly. coffee people. Yeah. Because coffee people are the best people. Mm-hmm. Most, sure. most of them. Most of them. <laughs> um, were you going to ask a question? You could ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to ask uh, the, the last question we have. Um, what advice do you have for people who want to compete um, but don't have the support that's beneficial or needed? I feel like... Um, it's beneficial, but it's also sort of necessary because of the financial part of it. It's expensive to buy your own stuff. I did it once, but I borrowed a grinder, and so I had some support. But it's expensive to buy your own cups and your own pitchers and all of that stuff. So do you have advice for people who maybe have a lack of resources? Yeah, competition is so incredibly expensive, especially if you want to be successful at competition. Um, Other than showing up at a prelim where you really don't need anything except yourself and, um, you know, a good attitude, uh, competition takes a lot of resources. There's not just the coffee, but the space that you need to practice in. Um, There's the materials, the cups, the napkins, the spoons, there's the flights and the time off work and the uh, lodging when you're at the competition and even just the registration for competition itself can be prohibitive to getting people involved. So if folks are interested, I would say, first of all, just uh, get to know the community around you and find a way to get involved. Um, and oftentimes there's lots and lots of companies that are willing to uh, support baristas who don't necessarily have a company that's able to sponsor them and send them. Um, reach out to, you know, if you need scales, reach out to a scale company and say, hey there, I'm competing this year and I don't have scales. I was wondering if, uh, you know, we can work something out. You never know. But uh, there's a few organizations like Glittercat that are, you know, able to offer scholarships um, as they have uh, the capacity to do so. Um, We are working as a competition body to lower the cost of entry for uh, the competition registration, which of course doesn't solve the problem of all of the other things that you need to purchase in order to get to a competition. Um, But I would say uh, get involved in any way you can. Maybe if you're not able to compete in that first year, if you're able to volunteer, if you're able to judge, um, that's going to help you be more prepared. And it's also going to allow you to make connections with the companies and people that are already at competition who can be willing to help get you there in the future. Great advice overall. Yeah, Glitter Cat is a great place to start I I mean they exist exactly for this reason um but I also I mean this will be a new platform hopefully um I've got lots of cups (laughs) from previous competitions so I think yeah if you don't know where to start reach out to us we know people who've competed and have cups yeah and I think there have been instances in the past where I think like Becky Reeves now of Oatly she started I think back when she was in the Pacific Northwest, like an actual former competitors, let's get all of our gear together. And if you are a competitor in need, here's some here's some gear for you. Yeah, I forgot what it was called, but it was yeah. like an Instagram it was account. Wink. What was it? Wink. Oh, that's wink. right. Yep. Great. Like women yeah. in Northwest coffee competitions. Yeah, two C's at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, I don't think that that's, like, still up and running, but I don't feel like she would be opposed to reinvigorating it, that exactly. effort. Exactly. So. Or locally, your local coffee communities. Yeah. But if you don't have anyone to reach out to, reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. We'll connect you with people. And wait till next year. Um, hopefully we're able to bring back competitions in the same format that we have previously with preliminaries, qualifiers, and nationals. And preliminaries are a really great place to get started because we try to have enough all over the country that um, make it accessible for people to get to so you don't have to fly across the country in order to show up at an event. Um, the cost of entry is really, really affordable and you don't need to bring literally anything at all. Um, you could show up with just yourself and be provided with cups and coffee and milk and wares. And as long as you are you know, a skilled barista who knows how to taste coffee, uh, knows the format of the competition, then you could potentially win a prelim and then you'll be set for the qualifiers. Yeah. Amazing. Very cool. So our last thing, teachable Spromans. Is there something, <laughs> one last thing that you want to share with our listeners out there about competitions that they could take away? My teachable Spromant was not about competitions. What oh, is it? What is it? Teachable Spromance for competitions. The biggest piece of advice that I have is read the rules. Uh, you would be surprised how many questions we get from competitors that could be answered with a simple browse through the rules. And I know it's a little dry. I know there's no pictures, but uh, I read them several times a year and I promise that you can get through it. Maybe I'll make an audiobook version. That would be great. That would be awesome. Um, and I will add to that, read them again. Mm -hmm. And then take notes on the things that surprise you. Yeah, there's a lot of loopholes in there. Um, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, strange situations that have caused us to need to revise the rules. Um, and every single year that document is open and getting edits. So check it out even if you think you know it well. What's your regular Teachable Spromand? Um, don't take apart grinders that you don't know how to put back together. 100%! Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took the uh, faceplate off of a Simonelli Mythos, and it turns out when you do that, there's little spacers inside. Oh, yes. That will then just be rattling around inside of the body, not attached to anything. And unless you um, have access to, like, a two-year-old child with the smallest hands... Uh, you're not going to be able to put that back in very easily. And if you open up the manual, um, it pretty much is not helpful at all. Great. That is a great teachable That is good to it. know. Yes. Yes. And yeah. there's also a point, too, especially with the mythos, when you're putting back the back burr carrier, FYI, it is a puzzle piece that goes a certain way. And if you don't, you will break that shaft. Mm -hmm. $700 fix, y'all. And that's why I have a grinder in the back of my car. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. Do you have a Teachables Pro Mint this week? Um, yes. For all you competitors out there, don't forget to have fun. That that's is a, my Teachables Pro That's a great one. Um, mine will be competition-related as well because I don't have something from this week. Um, something I learned in my first competition, don't forget your waters for your judges. Because I forgot until like 10 minutes in to my 15 minute, ended up being 20 minute routine. Uh, actually, I think it was 16 minutes. I went over because that's what disqualifies you, right? It's one whole minute over. Yeah, that's what it was. But yeah, it was like 10 minutes in. I forgot to serve water. That's a really easy one. So don't well, forget. Once you've gone a minute over, you might as well just finish. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I finished, but uh, they were thirsty for the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Amazing. Yeah. So much fun. Thank you so much, Kane, for joining us on Competition Season Talk. Great to chat with you. I can't wait to see you in Boston. Yeah, same. And thanks for the uh, delicious rosé. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The uh, luscious pink lips and kisses. Tongue kisses. <laughs> kisses to all you competitors. Good luck out there. Don't forget to have fun and drink lots of good coffee. Make good coffee. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you to Kane for sharing some tasty wine with us, being our very first in-studio guest, and for sharing their experience with competitions with us. I hope this got some of you excited for the upcoming competition season returning to us in just over a week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks to talk more coffee with you. In the meantime, continue to drink good coffee. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and keep up with us on Instagram at totallydissolvedpod. Send us questions or thoughts in the DMs, or email us at totallydissolvedpod at gmail.com. Bye! Bye.